This is Terry Crosby. Andy Steiger. Steve Kim. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you understand and speak the language of our culture and address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. September. It always feels like a new year. Because it is. <laughs> the year actually begins with September. It seems like it. School has begun. Yeah. Kids mm-hmm. are off. Ministries have begun. Yeah. Everything's like kicked into the high world gear. is in full speed. Yep. And the temperatures are tanking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the West Coast, they really never took off. They just have tanked. This is true, too. Yeah. It's been a while since we've had the whole gang on. It's good to be here. It's true. Mm-hmm. Over the summer, there's been a lot of different things going on. Yeah. So how was your guys' summer? Right. Well, I'll start. Yeah, I've already talked about my June in uh, Cambridge and Switzerland, so I'll move on from there. I had a good summer. I uh, tried to make the most of it with our not glorious weather. Uh, although there is a, a joy in the weather, and that is that there wasn't forest fires, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. And as well, the water was warm, and my family likes to hike, and we like to swim, so we got plenty of that in this summer. How about mm-hmm. you, steve Well, it somehow got really busy for me. Uh, I was expecting it to be a little bit more restful, and I did get some rest. I was visiting my in-laws, you know, just taking full advantage of the fact that now we're closer to family. And so, uh, and that was really good for the kids, especially. And it was really nice to see that. For me, it feels like I'm hitting the road running. So, speaking of hitting the road running, Terry was busy this summer. <laughs> um, that was most of my summer. Yeah, that was yeah. prepping for his 50 mile, yeah. mile, yeah, mile run, about 83 uh, kilometers in one day. In one day. Yeah. Did this out in Manning Park, and I I can confirm he's alive. (laughs) He he survived. I didn't make it. I did make it. Just give us a snapshot of that. Why would you do that to yourself? (laughs) It was, uh, I needed a challenge, and that was a challenge. And uh, so it was uh, an endurance race. I mean, it challenged you on a lot of different levels, physically, mentally, all that kind of stuff. It was supposed to be like a rainy thunder stormy day but then it ended up being pretty nice so that was one less thing we had to worry about so there was probably about 39 people that competed in the 50 mile race and i came in about middle pack which dude the fact that you survived is is like (laughs) applauds enough yeah the fact that you came in middle of the pack you know pack is just that you know amazing let me ask you though terry yeah let's get let's get real for a moment okay I'm staring at your eyes. Yeah, real. 50 miles is a long ways. Yes. Do you ever get chaffage? Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only see you the pain in know. his eyes as yes. he said that. Oh, my word. I was, yeah, 
Okay, let's move on. <laughs> there was the thought, there was a lot of excuse me, pardon me going on with those thighs. <laughs> yeah. Well, you run for 16 hours, you know there's going to be shaving. Yeah. Yeah. So I started at nine in the morning and went to about one o'clock Sunday morning. So I uh, came in around that time. Uh, three wow. and a half hours in the dark, kind wow. of things kind of slow down to you. So you said that there was a moment where you broke down where the uphill just didn't stop. Well, yeah, that and just the length of one piece. Like I thought my watch was broken. <laughs> it, it can't and I was asking people that are I was passing. I was like, the next aid station is really close, is it not? And they're like, yeah, it just should be up here, kind of thing. Everybody was kind of confused where the next aid station was, and it wasn't anywhere close. From that time, where I was just like, what? in the world. Where is this age station? It was probably another hour and 15 minutes that I had to run before, you know, I was just like, <laughs> it's supposed to be here. <laughs> another runner was like, did I miss it? Well, if you missed it, I missed it. And so. just to clarify, he's doing this out in the forest. So yeah. it's 50 miles out in trail running in the forest in Manning Park with bears, cougars, and the like. Yeah. I was a little disappointed to hear you didn't see any wildlife. No wildlife. There was a sighting just before I came into one of the aid stations of a cougar. I came across the road in front of somebody. But, you know, it was dark by the time I got there. And, you know, he could have been staring at me. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) He could have been licking his lips. I don't know. Hard to say. (laughs) Hard to say. So uh, what are you guys uh, working on these days? Coming into September and uh, what, maybe academic-wise or... Well, I'm always I'm in the process of finishing off my PhD. Uh, I have half a chapter left, and as well, I'm prepping a paper for the UN. So it's a it's not a for sure thing that I'll be giving that paper. So I have to I have to prep a proposal to get accepted to present. So I'll keep you informed on how that unfolds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've got going. I just two three days ago pressed send (laughs) uh, on my manuscript for the book that I've been writing uh, for Zondervan. So the editing process now will be in full swing as they kind of come back at me with uh, with edits. That book is due to come out September next year. And right now we're looking through book covers and working out the book title. That's all still being discussed. So that's where I'm at. Nice. Steve, you got some talk coming up in that? Yeah, for me, the priority right now is to settle into the life of the church where I'm serving, because uh, this is my first full year of ministry work there at Spruce Grove Alliance. And so I've got a number of things planned. Uh, one is a book club that you know we're going to meet twice a month sort of thing to go through different kinds of books. Just to get started, we're going to read Andy Bannister's The Atheist Who Didn't Exist, because it's easy enough to read and it's... He's a he's a funny guy, so it's enjoyable to read. And then when we're done with that, we're going to move on to Straw Dogs by John Gray, that atheist uh, professor who goes after secular humanism. That should be a, an interesting read. Uh, academically, I I'm hoping to get into more reading in terms of philosophy of technology. Uh, I'm getting interested in that more and more. So I'm just kind of in the process of putting together a bibliography. So. I'll keep you updated on what I learn, any interesting insights and whatnot. Nice. Sounds good. What about you? Oh, yeah. Did you have anything? You well, I was say? just going to say, well, one of the things that I am working on is the podcast, a new form of podcast that we're going to launch here in the next little bit. It's a work in progress because I haven't done it before, but uh, we will uh, put it out uh, and we'll talk about a little bit more about it in the future. It's a different format of a podcast and we will, in association with the Human Project, focus on 
our local area, focus in on organizations that are humanizing people within our local area. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of interviews, different things that go on with that. So that's the big thing right now, just trying to finish all the edits and that to, to get it out to you guys and the listeners. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Awesome. So today we are going to talk a little bit about a recent occurrence uh, that's happening down in the Caribbean right now. A hurricane that just went over the Bahamas. Which, by the way, for us on the West Coast is something that we really can't relate to. We don't get much in the Mm -hmm. way of storms, but we constantly hear about these storms, these uh, hurricanes that come through the East Coast. So it is classified as a Category 5 initially. and The storm we're talking about here is Dorian. Dorian, yep. When it hit the Bahamas, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, I think now it's classified as a... A category two coming into the states along Florida coast. Did you see the pictures? Oh, of the devastation on devastating. the Bahamas. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were basically saying every dock has been wrecked. Uh, just about every boat has been sunk in that area. And then you look at the homes. The homes are just wrecked as well. Like they're all yeah. down and and in in rubble kind of thing. And rescue workers were having a hard time getting to some people, and they were concerned that the the residents there might think to themselves that they've been forgotten and might do something that's dangerous, that sort of thing. So this this was just unbelievable, looking at the pictures and just the kind of damage that this hurricane caused. So we want to look at the problem of evil, but... More specifically, uh, natural evil. So this comes under the classification of natural evil, I think. But even so, many people, uh, you know, come to this point and see this devastation and they question why a good God or a loving God would allow this to happen. So maybe we can start off by just defining, I mean, there's so many different names for it, uh, like the problem of evil, probably evil and suffering, the problem of pain. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, So when we're talking about the problem of evil, philosophers generally categorize it into two parts. So they dissect the word evil. And so they talk about the problem of moral evil, which is stuff that we do to each other. Right. So this is the typical kind of stuff that we think of whenever we think of evil, like, you know, people cheating others out of their money or, you know, murder, theft, and all those kinds of things. Um, But then there is another category called the problem of natural evil. And this is the stuff that is not necessarily something that we do to each other, but happens in nature anyway. So uh, hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, those kinds of natural disasters, as well as diseases, and aging and death even are categorized as natural evil. And this one's a little bit trickier to deal with in the sense that when it comes to the moral evil, um, often philosophers will appeal to our capacity for free will. We can make free decisions and those, depending on how we exercise that free choice, we can affect others in negative ways. That's at least one possible solution. Uh, With natural evil, because it's not something that we can attribute to free will readily, it's a bit trickier. But having said that, there's also... I point out to my students, there are two parts to the word problem, because there is the intellectual problem, and then there's also the emotional problem. And one of the reasons that the problem of evil is so difficult to deal with, or problem of pain and suffering are so difficult to deal with, is 
precisely because it's not just an intellectual thing. For most people, if you've lived long enough, you experience pain and suffering and some significant ones, especially if you look at the pictures of the kind of damage that Hurricane Dorian caused. So that's that's a kind of a quick summary of the problem of evil. And so naturally, one of the questions, no pun intended there, uh, <laughs> that you know will follow from this is, okay, a hurricane you know, just ripped through the Bahamas and is working its way up the the Florida coast. We're dealing with uh, a non-person and a person. So we're dealing with a hurricane and persons. And so the question becomes, well, who's responsible? Ultimately, then the hurricane isn't the one who's being held responsible, but God's being held responsible in God's ability to First of all, to create hurricanes, uh, but also Mm -hmm. to control hurricanes. Right. So in this case, you are taking natural evil and essentially turning it into a moral evil, except it's not between creature and creature, it's God and creature. So then the question is, yeah, what, what responsibility does God have in preventing or uh, stopping in midway or something like that. Does God have any responsibility to do that? Is it immoral for God to inflict this kind of pain and suffering on humanity? I mean, just talking about hurricanes and tornadoes, that's a natural order that is happening. And it happens on a regular basis throughout the whole world. It only becomes a problem when people start dying. Right. That it becomes a natural evil right. in the sense, right? Mm-hmm. But just... Think, thinking about the natural order, it almost, it, it seems like some of that is a positive thing that happens. You know, talking about the tectonic plates and they're releasing gases and uh, volcanoes and the ashes, they, you know, falls and it creates more growth. There's, there's a lot of almost positive things that happens when these natural occurrences happen. So you're talking about earthquakes there yeah, uh, with yeah. The, the movement of the plates. Uh, yeah, and I think you could say perhaps with uh, hurricanes, right, that energy that's been built up throughout the summer is being, is being released, right? And so, yeah, there's a, there is this aspect of nature that, that is in, in these natural phenomenons that, that are positive. I mean, it almost creates beauty and it almost sustains life for us because these gases go into the atmosphere and, you know, are released and create new life and that kind of thing around the world. So there is a positive aspect to it. But then again, it comes negative when people start dying. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, this is one of the reasons why some philosophers will actually refuse to call this natural evil. There, so they would say there's nothing evil about it in the sense that this is just a natural process. And so how can we speak of a tornado or a hurricane ripping through an area? How can you call that evil? They're suffering for sure, but you couldn't rightly call it evil. Unless, of course, you start talking about it on... Um, it, on the theological level, then again, it turns into a moral evil at that point. And on that note, if we could just pause for a moment, Steve, mm-hmm. this is an important thing for people to appreciate. When when we talk about sin or evil, these are relational terms. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the relationship between persons and how those relationships ought to be and how they ought not to be. And so that's where the idea of natural evil becomes a tricky one, right? Because a hurricane's not a person, doesn't have intentions. There isn't that relational component. 
And so, like you're saying, Steve, that's where then God is brought into the equation in God's ability to create those sorts of things and to sustain or control those sorts of things. And, and so, thus, God is the one who's being held morally accountable. And then that creates, you know, multiple questions such as, why would God allow a hurricane to go through the Bahamas, you know, or why would God send a hurricane through the Bahamas? I mean, th- those are the types of questions that are being asked so that the hurricane becomes a, it's an instrument. It's not the, the person mm-hmm. responsible. Yeah. And um, I guess as we try to hash out the sort of the, you know, moral calculus, if you will, of something like this, um, I, I find it with natural evil, it becomes particularly fuzzy because we also have to take into account how much of it, how much of that suffering is caused by us, right? And I remember when we had Clay Jones at our conference one time, and he's he's a professor at Biola University, and he specializes in the area of evil and suffering. And, uh, and Andy and I both had him as one of our teachers, at Biola when we studied. And one thing that he mentioned was this, he took um, New Orleans as an, ex- uh, as an example. And he says, remember Hurricane Katrina, right? It swept through New Orleans and people were, you know, crying out, you know, how could God let this happen? And he said, well, for one, we built a city below sea level with protections that could only uh, withstand up to category three hurricanes when in our experience, we knew there were hurricanes that were stronger than that. And so we build a city in a particularly vulnerable place with inadequate protections. And then when Hurricane Katrina rips through, you know, we're kind of faulting God for it. And so while this doesn't resolve the issue of the natural evil completely, it at least kind of highlights the difficulty in taking this whole thing and blaming it on entirely on God or entirely on humanity or anything like that, because uh, some people might even uh, would also argue, well, what about climate change? You know, how much of that is caused by human beings? And, and in some ways, isn't this what we're doing to ourselves, right? So it, it becomes a bit fuzzy there. Yeah, I mean, the latest talk is basically our involvement in our lifestyle has contributed to the harshness of these hurricanes that are going to develop in the re- coming years, right? They're just going to be more and more uh, severe, like more Category 5s than ever before because of climate change, as you were saying. Just to push back on that, though, uh, I, I, can, uh, I can appreciate this idea that, that we could be doing things that are making things more severe or causing different aspects of you know, natural evil. And that we could, as you say, Steve, you know, do our due diligence. Uh, at the same time, uh, my pushback would be that that doesn't deal, in, in my opinion, at all with natural evil. I think you still have to wrestle with the fact that there are Category 5 storms that exist. And so we then have to ask, okay, is that something that God intends for a world to have Category 5 hurricanes? And if you don't like that example, you know, we could just switch it to tornadoes. Mm-hmm. God created a world with tornadoes. Did he create a world with tornadoes? Why would he create a world with tornadoes? And if you don't like that one, we can just switch it again to mm-hmm. earthquakes, as you mentioned, Terry. Okay, the world has earthquakes. Is this God's intention? And if you don't like that one, we can, we can switch it again. And notice what I'm trying to do here is just show you that even when we simplify it more and more, these are aspects of the world, such as the world's got Grand Canyons, 
right? There's a Grand Canyon and there's such a thing as gravity. And if you try taking a selfie, as multiple people did this summer, too close to the edge, you can fall down that canyon and die. We also, water has the quality of being able to drown you, mm-hmm. right? So the, these are aspects that the world has that can cause natural evil. Because I, you know, I heard a terrible story this summer of a rip current where a, a dad had, I think it was three daughters in the water and he swam out and saved both, all three of them, but then he drowned himself, right? And so the question becomes, you know, why is the world like that? Especially if, if we have this idea that God created a perfect good world. So you're saying it's broken. Nature is broken. I guess I'm raising that question. Is nature broken? Mm-hmm. And if it is, what part's broken and what part's not? Because what I try to do is show you mm-hmm. that I could work from a hurricane down to gravity. So this is the part that gets tricky. Do we want to say that the world never meant to have hurricanes? Okay. So the world was never supposed to have a hurricane. But was the world ever supposed to have gravity? Or the quality of water that it could drown you? And that's why it is so important to think about the alternatives, right? Often when the problem of evil is raised, we're really thinking about like all these hypothetical scenarios where evil wouldn't exist, right? But then what we have to do is, okay, let's say, you know, we had this world where hurricanes didn't exist. What might happen to the planet as a result? And and this quickly becomes really complicated because hurricane is just one thing, right? Like you said, there, there are other things, the quality of the water and how respiration works in our species or, you know, gravity and all those things. What would have happened if these things didn't exist? So uh, a lot of people who deal in natural evil and things like that, they they might say something like, you know, these are just the natural consequences of having a planet like ours. In terms of the question of whether what is broken, what is not, when we have friends that kind of want to pin it on God, why would God allow this sort of a thing? Um, I find that it's a fair thing to bring in the whole worldview. What I mean by that is in asking why would God allow this? And when they ask that question, most of the time they're thinking of the kind of Judeo-Christian concept of God, God who is all powerful, all loving, you know, all knowing that sort of thing. Because really the problem of evil is a problem if you posit a God like that, right? But Sometimes we forget to bring in the rest of the worldview to bear on this whole topic. So, for example, if the Christian worldview is true, then it's entirely possible because we believe that there is more to just this physical world, right? There is the spiritual dimension to it as well. And we have angels and demons and and all that kind of stuff. And so... I think it was actually Alvin Plantinga who who said it is at least possible. And he's not suggesting uh, this as the solution, but uh, one possible answer is that this is the result of spiritual activities that are happening in the world. Now, that sounds really weird to the modern ears, but uh, this is kind of similar to how the free will defense works. This is just a possible solution. It's not the solution. And so then... This answer about, you know, like this is the result of spiritual activity, that also becomes a possible answer. Now, 
that this might not satisfy people emotionally and existentially, but intellectually speaking, that is at least one option. And especially if you're trying to pin this on God, or at least Judeo-Christian concept of God, then you also have to bring in the rest of the worldview and see if it fits. I just want to go back a few steps there to the nature is broken. One of the questions that I was thinking about coming up to this podcast is when God set into motion this earth and this his created order, obviously there was some boundaries in how we would operate. So were those boundaries, when we became uh, sinful, exaggerated? So were these part of creation itself, and were they exaggerated after the sinful nature came into play? Well, I'm glad you asked this because this applies to what Steve just brought up. What Steve is doing is is bringing in an argument that follows if you look at the creation account, that then this becomes a potential argument, which by the way, C.S. Lewis gives this argument as well, uh, Steve, that perhaps there's natural evil in the world, not due to Adam and Eve's fall, but due to Satan's fall. And that's where natural evil comes from. So now watch what's happening here, because this is the, this is the logical move that's, that's taking place. If we say that natural evil, such things as people dying from hurricanes and earthquakes and things like that, was not a part of God's intended order. We would say that God created a perfect world for Adam and Eve. So those sorts of things were not a part of that. Well, then why are they now a part of that? And so some could say or would say, well, it's because of sin, that Adam and Eve sinned and thus the world is cursed because of them. And these sorts of things now occur, which were never meant to occur. The challenge with that then becomes your view of Genesis. Do you have a view of Genesis that's a young earth or an old earth view? Because if you have a a young earth, then that model can work. But if you have an old earth view, then that model becomes problematic. So somebody like C.S. Lewis or Plantinga or somebody else who is going to want to hold to an old earth option then has to come up with another reason why the earth is cursed. Thus, they're going to say, well, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it was Satan's fall, which preceded Adam and Eve's, and and thus it was a cursed world then that Adam and Eve were born into. Then you can start to see how this starts to get parsed out. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with it, Like, but you said it so well. (laughs) (laughs) So not only... when you get into this question, you'll start to see that if you move one piece, you know, forward, you know, you might have other pieces now that have to get moved to the side or, you know, that, that things are changing depending upon how you start to try to figure this thing out. This is already one example of how that's working with, you know, Satan's fall versus Adam and Eve's. A bigger issue, though, that comes into play here especially in the area of theology, trying to work out why there's natural evil in the world, is your view of God. Your view of God becomes challenged within this because, as was mentioned earlier, when we're talking about God, we're talking about God who created, a God who's powerful. We're talking about a God who is all-knowing. So, we're talking about a God who has the power to make these sorts of things, a God who knows what will happen with regards to these things. We're talking about a loving God, though, that, you know, good intentions. 
So when we then think about something like a hurricane, it raises some challenges where we talked about earlier. Okay, did God create the hurricane? Well, depending upon how we want to parse that out, we could say, we could take one route where we say, well, no, God didn't create the hurricane. It's a, it's a result of the fall and thus the, the hurricane exists. Okay. But we still believe that God's powerful and we still believe that God knows what could happen with that hurricane. So he has the ability to stop that hurricane, but yet God's not stopping the hurricane. This raises questions about God's love. Well, if God, you know, is all loving, you know, and he knows what the, that hurricane is going to hit the Bahamas and it's going to do all this damage and he's got the power to stop it, why would he not stop it? What happens though theologically is you get these different ideas like process theology and open theism that begin to manifest. And so what they begin to do is they begin to answer the question by looking at the nature of who God is and begin to question things like, does God know the future? Uh, Does God actually have the power to stop those things? Or is God so intimately involved in the world, you know, that he's experiencing it with you and he doesn't know where things are leading and those sorts of ideas. So you will, in that way, you will begin to question those characteristics of God. Mm-hmm. One way in which I deal with this issue is to think of it in terms of not so much natural evil, but in terms of suffering, right? Pain and suffering. And if God allows something like Hurricane Dorian, then the question is, well, there's suffering, that pain and suffering that come from it. And why would God allow that? Now, if I start asking the questions in that way, I find it a little bit easier to reconcile that in my mind because we know as parents too, like all three of us know very well that we often um, need suffering, right? Like we will let our children suffer in one way or another, in some small way so that they can learn certain things. So, so for example, you know, like there, there are plenty of times when our children want to do something, but we won't let them do it. That causes suffering. But it is necessary because if I gave my children everything they wanted, it's not that difficult to imagine how they might turn out in the future. They're going to they're going to grow up into entitled brats. And is that really a good thing for them? In some ways, they're going to suffer even more because of that, because they take the world for granted, because they take their comfort for granted. uh, They're going to suffer more in that in that way. Are you saying then that? A hurricane is God's way of teaching people? I could say that he can certainly allow it in order to bring out certain qualities in us. So it's kind of like the soul building theodicy. I think some people would say, though, that that's pretty harsh. Yeah, but then that judgment of whether that is too harsh or not harsh enough, like how can we make that kind of judgment? Hurricane Dorian is certainly big and it's destructive and it causes a whole ton of suffering. But from the perspective of God, I wonder, what is it that he sees my question is, is this gratuitous suffering? Like, is this the kind of suffering that's unnecessary? In which case, how would we know that unless we were omniscient? Yeah, I, you know I think I mean? on, on the one hand, I definitely agree with you, Steve. I think, one, you know, this is something that Clay Jones really pushes and it's taken me years to appreciate it, is that I, I do think that there is a history lesson to be learned by evil in its entirety that that God is allowing people to see what happens 
when we don't trust God. And when we do take a bite of that apple of the knowledge of good and evil, we are getting that history lesson. Here is that knowledge of good and evil. And so then in one sense, we're learning that God is good and that we can trust God. And when we don't trust God, it leads to a world that is not good, that we do not want. And so in some sense, that then becomes part of the knowledge that that exists in heaven of why we don't want to leave God. On the other hand, though, when we start going down those lines of reasoning for me, I can also find them to be problematic because it does raise questions of gratuitous punishment. And and I think anyone would raise questions of a father that takes their punishment of a child to extremes. However, I think one aspect, though, that is a That's different, though, when we're talking about God is we're talking about a God that has the power to redeem and to restore. Uh, And I think that that really changes the equation than a person who doesn't have the ability to redeem or to restore. Uh, Because God does uh, look at life different than we do. And I think one of the reasons why God looks at life different than we do is because God has power over life and death in a way that we don't, that he's able to redeem and to restore in a way that we can't. And so then in one sense, I do think God sees these things differently than we do. Jesus makes it quite clear that he's way more concerned about eternal life than he is about temporal life. Mm-hmm. And that temporal life has, just doesn't compare. I mean, we see it differently ourselves once we, come, we become a Christian, yeah. right? We believe that we're on this earth, but the, it doesn't compare to what we're going to experience in the afterlife, right? right? But somebody that doesn't believe, a non-believer would say, that's just, unnecessary torture of that believer. Like, why would God do that? Why would a good God do that to his own children? I want to jump in here with an idea that I think is an important one that grounds this whole topic of natural evil. And it's the idea of evil itself. When we talk about the idea of evil, when we talk about something being wrong or bad, that the world ought not to have hurricanes that destroy the Bahamas, for example, that's an interesting idea on naturalism. On a naturalistic worldview, the world is the way that the world is. And to say that the world ought not to be that way is nonsense. You know, the world has hurricanes and it destroys the Bahamas. And people die and people suffer and then that's just the way that the world is. But it's curious that we as people see that as not the way that the world's supposed to be and thus we want to hold God responsible for it. That's just naturally the way people will bend themselves towards. Uh, And I think that that speaks volumes to what we know to actually be the truth about reality is that there is such a thing as good. There is such a thing as evil and the world's not supposed to be evil. It's supposed to be good. So it becomes more of an argument for God because you recognize there is a moral absolutes to this world. And why are you questioning that? Right. In that sense. Yeah. And that there's a moral compass to this world. Now, the, the area that I think we get this wrong, this question wrong, and I don't, by the way, when we do podcasts like this, I always find them to be a little intimidating that I'm going to put my voice out there on a question as deep and deep. profound, yes. you know, <laughs> as natural evil. And yeah. I feel very hesitant to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I d- don't want to pretend in any way, shape or form that I'm an expert in this and, and that 
that any human being is. Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> yes. However, what I get concerned with is when people want to answer this question by detracting from the character of who God is. And, and I think that that's a mistake. I think process theology, I think open theism, I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake to call into question the character of God, that God is powerful, that God is loving, that God does know the future. And these are tensions that, that we have to hold. I, I don't, personally, I haven't landed on a, an aspect of natural theology where I'm like, okay, you know, this is it. Because personally, I see problems in all of them. However, what I am convinced in is that evil does exist. It's not the way God designed it to be. And I do know who the character of God is, and I want to leave that intact. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to muddy who God is to try to answer this question when, I can, when I've got enough of an answer to satisfy me till I can talk to God face-to-face on this one. Mm-hmm. I think some of the things that come out, curiously enough, when these kind of things happen is honestly good things in the fact that they're Others are helping others through these times. Good can come of it. Good can come of it. And I think, uh, Steve, you're alluding to that as well. It just gives us an opportunity as Christians to develop our character, to go out and to, you know, be a light in these kind of situations that are coming up like this. So we've talked about Clay Jones a number of times now. He came out with a book last year. Why Does God Allow Evil? And we also posted a conference talk of him last uh, summer with regards to evil. If you haven't uh, listened to that, that was actually one of our most popular podcasts at that time. Uh, Go back and listen to that as well. Would you guys recommend other books for people to read along this line of evil? Yeah. uh, One book that I would recommend that uh, is by uh, William Dembski, who tries to go right at the question of natural evil, which is pretty rare for a book to do, but he gives it a go. In his book, uh, The End of Christianity, Finding a Good God in an Evil World. Now, one of the things I like about that book is he gives you a good survey, if you will, of what other ideas are and problems of other ideas and solutions of other ideas. That doesn't mean that I necessarily buy in 100% with where he ends up landing. It's an interesting idea. Uh, I'll leave you to to follow that one out. But I do think that it's a helpful introduction, and, it, and he does provide a possible answer. And this gets back to what Steve said earlier, and that is, that when we're looking at these things, at least from a logical standpoint, that we all we need are possible answers to at least see that we don't have a logically incoherent faith. And oftentimes, that's all you're going to get in this life is just, a, is this a possible answer? And ultimately, it's going to require a conversation with the Lord Almighty to know exactly why things uh, are the way they are. So thank you for joining us listeners again this week. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, and we'll come back next week with more things to think about. 